Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. I'm reading a verse of Scripture from 2 Chronicles chapter 13. We'll read just one verse. Instead of reading the entire text, we'll preach the story, but we'll read this one verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse number 3. Scripture gives to us that Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war. Abijah has 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam, who is the king over the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, he's also come to this battle and he set in an array against Abijah, who is the king of Judah. And he has 800,000 chosen men, being mighty men of war. If you just read that one verse of scripture, and you take it at face value that Abijah, king of Judah, has 400,000. And that Jeroboam, king of the northern kingdom of Israel, has 800,000. It looks like a pretty lopsided battle, doesn't it? And you would almost just from reading the text, would say, I know which way this battle is going to go. It's going to go to the one who has more men on the field, and the one who has less men on the field is going to lose. So I preached to you today from this subject, the deciding factor of the battle. The deciding factor. What determines the outcome? What determines the victory? It's not always what may appear on the surface. Would you join me today in prayer across this building? Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, in the next little while that you would help us, dear God, in the declaration of the Word of God. Take that which, God, you have deposited into our spirit and help us, Lord, to preach today under the unction of the Holy Ghost to communicate, to articulate those words, God, that would be life-changing and eternal for all of our hearts. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would allow us to receive it by faith. Now we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hand and your voice to the Lord? And can you give him one more sound of praise across this building before we're seated today? An expression of our praise, our, our adoration, our admiration of him. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. If we would take a poll here today and ask about the various conflicts that are going on in any of our lives right now, the list would be long as we would speak of the various struggles, the various conflicts, the various difficulties that we're facing, whether it's within the home or on the job or with our health, our finances, with, with some aspect of our life, there are always conflicts that are going on. There are always conflicts that are happening at some point in our life. May I draw your attention this morning probably to a conflict that we need to probably pay more attention to than we do. Sometimes we get submerged in 
our everyday conflicts. We get submerged in our everyday struggles and difficulties and the battles that we face of life, whatever they may be, and you can label them. But may I introduce to you one that I think we need to pay very close attention to, and that that battle is paramount to every other conflict that we face. If I win at any other conflict on a temporal level, whether it's in my home or my family, but I do not win in the spiritual arena, then I have ultimately lost because that is the battle that I must win. Paul speaks of this struggle that we have in Galatians 5 and 17 when he talks about the flesh and the spirit. And he says the spirit is against the flesh and they're contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. He speaks of this this inner struggle between the flesh and the spirit, the battle between the, the physical man and the spiritual man, this constant struggle back and forth. He will describe it more accurately in Romans 7 and 23 when he says that there's another law in my members and he uses the word warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity, into the law of sin which is in my members. He writes in Ephesians chapter 6 that we, we, we wrestle against flesh and blood. Are not against flesh and blood, but we are battling, we are warring, we are struggling against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. May I say that this spiritual battle is not a figment of our imagination, it's not a concoction of our mind, it's not something that we dream up in a religious atmosphere, it is not merely a subject matter of a church, but it is reality that we are dealing with a spiritual darkness and a spiritual problem and that our flesh and and our spirit that spirit that would do righteous and justly and godly is warring against each other and we feel that pull uh, like being pulled into this tug of war that is going on inside of us if you've lived any time at all you know that there is this battle let me just pause to say that because you ignore this battle doesn't mean the battle goes away you can somehow or another say it doesn't exist, that it, it doesn't happen, it, it, it's not reality, but it doesn't mean that it goes away. There remains this spiritual struggle, this spiritual battle where there's this pull. Paul says it like this, there's times I want to do good. He said, but I can't do good because there's this thing warring in me that pulls me in this opposite direction. There's things I want to do that's right, but I can't do do what is right because this thing is pulling me in the opposite direction and I'm constantly battling with it. Now, I, I can ignore that. I can blindfold my eyes to it, but it doesn't go away. Somewhere I've got to realize there is this spiritual battle that is happening within us. Every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, regardless of our age, you never, you never outgrow the struggle of the flesh 
flesh and the spirit, it is a constant fight, day in and day out, from the moment that your feet hit the floor to the moment you lay your head on your pillow at night, there is this warfare and there is this struggle that's going on. That's why Paul told Timothy to war a good warfare. In other words, don't set back and give in. Don't set back and yield and submit. Rather, he says, rise up and fight a good fight. Lay hold on eternal life. Can I say to you today that heaven does not come without you laying hold on eternal life. Heaven doesn't just walk by. Heaven doesn't just show up. But there's something inside of us that grapples, that reaches, that, that's trying to lay hold on heaven and on eternal values and on that which is beyond this present life that we're living in. And you've got to, you got to fight to lay a hold on it. You got to, you got to struggle to lay hold on it. You, 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 you got to constantly keep your mind focused and your heart turned to reach out and lay hold on. And if you don't, it, this world is kind of like a uh, the, the rapids of a of a river. It'll catch you and it will sweep you on down that river into oblivion and toward destruction if you do not lay hold on eternal life. If I could leave you with anything here this morning. I'm telling you on this Sunday morning that we need to lay hold on eternal life. That we need, I said we need to lay hold. I said we need to lay hold. I said we need to lay hold. We got to turn loose of some other stuff. You can't lay hold on eternal life and have your fingers wrapped around everything in this present world. You can't lay hold on heaven and have your hands wrapped around everything that's temporal, everything that's momentary, everything that satisfies for the moment. You can't lay hold on eternal life. You can't have eternal life with your hands already full. Somewhere you got to empty your hands of everything in this present life. Somewhere you just got to make up your mind. I, I, I got out of the car here just a few days ago and uh, I, I, I was decided I, I was, I was going to do it. I had several things to carry. I was going to do it all in one trip. I was going to get it all done in one trip. I wasn't going to run back to that car half a dozen times to get what had to come out of the car. I was, I, I was going to get it all in one trip. And I, I'm pulling out this bag. And I'm pulling out this little box. And I'm tucking it here. And I got a bag up over here. And I got it piled up here. And I got it braced against my chest. And, and I, I got something else stuck under this arm. And I, I'm trying to, to, to... And I don't want to come back to shut the car door. Because that would mean an extra trip. So I'm, I'm trying to... <clears throat> trying to shut the car door with my elbow, trying to get it all done. Don't look at me like you've never been there. When things started toppling, and finally I just set it all down on the floor, on the, on the, on the concrete, and said, you know what? You can't get it all in. You just might as well make several trips at it because you can't do it all in one trip. Somewhere I had to come to the decision, there's some stuff i got to empty 
If I'm going to get it in here in one piece or it's all going to fall apart. And that's kind of the way we got to do with life. You can't lay hold on eternal life. You can't, you can't juggle this world and juggle God and put it all together at the same time. It, it, it'll keep you so spiritually occupied and, and, and numb and, and blind. And, and, and that's, that's kind of where some of us are at. We're just, we just kind of got it all piled in. We're trying to pile everything of the world in. And we're trying to pile everything of God in. And we're, trying to, we're trying to juggle all of this. I wish somebody would just make up your mind if there's only one thing I need to carry, and that's eternal life. And so I'm going to drop everything else, and I'm going to lay hold. Somebody say lay hold. Got to lay hold. Got to lay hold of eternal life. This is the struggle. This is the battle that we are in. I, I understand that this battle sometimes can be, it can be overwhelming. Indeed, it is overwhelming. And sometimes we feel we are no match for this struggle. To this, this ability to, to do right in, in the midst of, a, of an evil and an ungodly world. And, and so we, we look at, at, at the battle and we say, well, it, it's, it's the size, it's the size of, of the battle that I'm dealing with. That's, that's where it's getting me. I've got all of this coming at me at once and I, I just can't handle it. Abijah uh, uh, has 400,000 men. Jeroboam has 800,000 men. Abijah in verse number 8 of Second Chronicles chapter 13, he says you are a great multitude. He said I'll admit, you got twice the men that I've got on the battlefield and if you just look at the law of averages, there's no way I can win this battle. But then he goes on and he declares a little later in the story and in verse number 12 he says but God is with us can I tell you the size of the struggle you're dealing with does not determine the outcome of the victory and the battle that you are engaged in I know it feels like all hell has come. I know it feels like that, that we're meeting every, every spiritual darkness and principality and power on all sides. But can I declare to you on this Sunday morning that the size of the opposition doesn't determine whether I win or lose in this battle. Because if God is on my side, I wish somebody today would let God be on your side come on you can't win this battle I said you can't win this battle without the help of God come on you can't win it without the help of God you gotta have the help of God you can't, you can't make up your mind enough it's, it's, it, it, it takes far more than just sheer grit and determination you, 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 can't, you can't make up your mind enough that, man, I, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live righteous. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live godly. We're going to start it out. We've already got our New Year's resolutions made. January 1. Come January 1. This is the way it's going to be. I got it all figured out. Can I tell you, it just won't happen that way. Somewhere, I got to bring God on my side. Somewhere I got to say, you know what, God? I can't win the battle against this mind, against this flesh, against this will. I can't win the battle against the struggle in this present world by myself. I need you to come along beside of me and I need you to help me. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Come on, I wish somebody would get God on your side. 
Yeah. You know what you got to do to get God on your side? You got to say, I can't do it anymore. I can't fight it. I've tried to overcome this. I've tried to conquer this. I've tried to overcome this feeling and that feeling and that thought and this thought. I've tried to overcome this desire and that desire and I just can't do it. I need God to come along here. And I need God to engage with me. And I need the help of the Holy Ghost. Does anybody need the help of the Holy Ghost? Come on, I need some honest folks here today. Does anybody need the help? Come on, I wish somebody just lean a little bit now. You just lean over on him and say, i got to have the help of God in this battle that I'm in. Got to have the help of God. I've got to have the help of God. It's, 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 it's not the size of the battle that determines the outcome. I don't care what they're throwing at you. I don't care what's coming along down the pike. It's not the size, nor is it the strategy. Notice that in our text in 2 Chronicles chapter 13, that it is acknowledged that Jeroboam is a mastermind. In verses 13 and 14, he's a mastermind at military war, at military fights and struggles. Notice that Jeroboam causes an ambushment to come behind Judah so that Judah has got the battle behind them, in front of them, on the left of them. And on the right of them, Abijah has been outmaneuvered. He's been outsmarted. He's got he's surrounded on all sides. And Abijah admits, I have been outstrategized. I have been outplanned. But that doesn't mean, Jeroboam, you're going to win this battle. Because he said, I want you to know in verse number 14, he said, the only strategy I got in this battle that I'm in right now is I got to cry out unto the Lord. Can I tell you the only strategy you got in your battle against this present world is to lift your voice to the Lord and just cry out and say, God, I got to have your help. Come on now. When you're battling all that stuff that's pulling at your flesh, when you're battling all that stuff that's pulling at your mind, when you're battling all that stuff that's trying to get you to go every which direction but into righteousness, why don't you just pause for a moment, lift your voice and say, God, i got to have some help here right now. I need divine intervention. The Bible tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail. The reason he said the gates of hell is because at the gates is where the strategy of warfare was planned. It's where the city did their planning. At the gates, the council, the elders, the wise men would gather. The military leaders would gather at the gates. And there they would plan their strategy for warfare warfare and for battle and the Lord said the gates of hell shall not prevail he said it doesn't matter what strategy comes out of hell it's not good enough to overcome the presence of almighty God I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail Come on, the determining factor of this battle is not the size of the army you're facing and it's not the strategy that you're facing. That's not what determines whether you win or lose in this battle. 
may I give to you on this Sunday morning simply the main reason that battles are won or lost. They are lost not because of the size of the struggle. They're lost not because of the strategy that is employed against us. But they're lost or won on the field of our commitments to God. Abijah charges Jeroboam. He says, Jeroboam, you got 800,000 men. I got 400,000 men. But we got one problem here. Jeroboam, you have forsaken the God of our fathers. You've built golden calves. You've made priests of the lowest of the people. You have abandoned your commitment to God. And you may out-strategize me. And you may have a greater sized army than I've got. But you have already lost this battle on the field of your commitment. Because you have broken your commitment to God. Notice where he tells us in verse number 5 of Second Chronicles chapter 13. He says, Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? Covenants in those days were sealed oftentimes with the passing of salt that would be sprinkled upon the documents or in the process of making the agreement because salt is a preserver. And by bringing salt into the transaction of the covenant, it was saying that this covenant is eternally preserved. It's going to stay there. And Abijah said, Jeroboam, you may have more men than I got. You may have outthought me in this, but you've broken the covenant that God has made with Israel. And when commitments are broken, battles are lost. Can I tell you, our commitments matter. Come on now. I said our commitments matter. What we vow to God matters. God takes our commitment serious. When we kneel before God and we say, God, this is what I'll do. There's a covenant of salt that comes into that agreement that is to preserve that commitment. And when that commitment is broken, battles are lost. Wars are lost when commitments are broken. I can't violate my covenant and I can't violate my commitment without costing me the battle. It doesn't matter what size it is. It doesn't matter what the strategy is. If commitments have been broken, the battle is going to be lost. And we're living in a generation and a society today where commitments are so easily broken and where commitments are tossed aside like nothing more than pieces of paper just scattered. Our word no longer means what it used to mean. And we no longer follow up on our commitments and things that we will say. And then we wonder why the battle is not turned in our favor. Can I tell you, our battles are won or lost on the field of our commitments. And when we make up our mind to just say, God, I promised you a long time ago that I was going to follow through and I plan on following through. I promised you a long time ago that I'd be dedicated 
consecrated and committed. And God, I'm going to be consecrated and committed. I'm not backing up on my commitments. I'm not backing up on what I said I would do. Because the only way I'm going to have victory is i got to keep my commitments. Can I preach today? Some of us ought to reach down and pick up some old commitments and say, God, I've let some things fall to the ground. I wish I had some help now. I've let some things fall to the ground. I've let some things I said I would do. I've let it fall to the ground. I've not kept my commitments. I've got to keep my commitments. And if I keep my commitments, God's going to make sure this battle turns out right. I can't win if my commitments are broken. I can't win if I renege. If I back up, if I back out, Jeroboam said, Abijah said to Jeroboam, you can't win this battle. You may have 800,000 men, but you violated the covenant that God has made with us. And you, you've went back on that. And going back on it, it signals that you shall lose in this battle. But it's not just the keeping of our commitment that we have made to God. He says in verses 10 and 11 of Second Chronicles chapter 13, But as for us, the Lord is our God. We have not forsaken Him. And the priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron. And the Levites wait upon their business. And they burn unto the Lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifice and sweet incense. And the candles and the lamps thereof to burn every evening. For we keep the charge. Watch now. We keep the charge of the Lord our God but you've forsaken him. Notice what Abijah says. you got 800,000 men. You've out-strategized me. i got you on all sides of me. But there's a difference between you and me. You've broken your commitments and you've broken divine order. Said, you don't, you don't worship every morning and every evening. Said, you know what? Every morning, we're putting a sacrifice on the altar. Every evening, we're putting a sacrifice on the altar. Every day at noon, we're putting a sacrifice on the altar. You can't abandon divine order and win in this battle of life. Somewhere there's got to be some divine structure that says, you know what, I've got to fulfill the duty of a priest. I've got to get up every morning and be a worshiper. I've got to go through the day every day putting a sacrifice on the altar. Every Every evening I got to put a sacrifice on the altar. You say, you know what? What happens? What happens? Does it matter if I abandon divine order? Does it matter if I just walk away from all of that? It matters on the battlefield. I got to make sure that I, I may be outthought and I may be outsized, but I want you to know I believe that if I start every day with worship and prayer and praise and I end every evening with worship, prayer and praise, God's going to help me. Come on, God's going to help me. Somebody say, God's going to help us. God's going to help us in all of this. I said, God's going to help us. Come on, we got to pick back up our commitments. I said, we got to pick back up our commitments. We got to get committed to this thing every day. This isn't just a Sunday thing. This isn't just a revival thing. This is something I'm committed to every day. Somebody clap your hands and just... Give the Lord a little praise right now. 
Come on, I'm talking about the determining factor of the battle. How it's decided whether we win or lose. You can't win on the battlefield of life if you've broken your commitments. You can't win on the battlefield of life if, you, if you've abandoned divine order of worship every day. Praise to God. Sacrifice to the Lord. You just can't win. I believe God wants us to rise up in this last hour and be victorious as we have never, ever been before. It says in verse number 12, Abijah writes in 2 Chronicles 13 and 12 and says, Behold, God Himself is with us. Here He is. He's our captain and His priest with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. O children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers, for ye shall not prosper. He said, We are committed to God Himself as our captain. Can I tell you that the determining factor of the battle is simply we're committed to God as my leader. God is the one that guides and orders my steps. He's the one that directs my way. He's the one that walks my path behind me and before me. I'm committed to Him, not just in leadership in, in some days, but leadership every day. Not just leadership on Sundays, but leadership every day in my life. I'm committed to Him being the captain of my life. Come on, this thing is not just words that come off of our lips. It's not just things that roll off of our tongue. It's not just actions and formalities that we go through with. We're talking about the battle of life here. And the only way I can overcome is I've got to be committed to my commitments. I've got to be committed to divine order. I've got to be committed to God as my leader. He's my guide. Can I hear, hear anybody say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still water. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over surely 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 without question yes surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life are you ready now are you ready I need to know is anybody ready now and I and I and I shall dwell in the house commitment and I shall dwell in the house commitment and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody stand with me this morning and when you lift your hands and your voice to the Lord. If you want to win, I said if you want to win in this battle, it's not the 
It's not the size. It's not the strategy. It's the depth of your commitment. I said it's the depth of our commitment. It's how deep is my commitment. I said how deep is my commitment. That's how I win. It's how deep is my commitment. I don't know about you, but I want my commitments deep. I got to get my commitments deep. I got to get my commitments deep. If I could get me a shovel right now, I'd I'd say if you're going to put that fence post up, if you're going to put that fence post up, we need to at least set it two foot in the ground. That, that ought to hold that fence post. But I'm not, I'm not gambling on two foot. I want to make this three foot. Because I want to make my commitments deep. You know what? I'm not gambling on three feet. I think I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to dig this, 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 this hole of commitment just as deep as I can dig it. Because that's where I win at. That's where I win at. That's where I win at is how deep my commitments are. How sold out. I said, oh, I want, oh, 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 I'd like to ask somebody right now, how sold out are you? How sold out are you? How committed are you? I said, how deep are your commitments right now that would keep you in the battlefield of life? Got to get those commitments deep. Got to keep them deep. Would you put your hands in the air now? Tilt your face toward the Lord. How deep are your commitments? How deep are your commitments? That's where you win. Or you lose that. Let me tell you what God will do for commitment. First Kings chapter 15 tells us that Abijah was a pretty bad guy. If you read the story of Abijah in First Kings chapter 15, you read that he walked in the sins of his father, and his heart was not perfect. But First Chronicles or Second Chronicles chapter 13 says that with his back against the wall, ambushed on all sides, he started digging a hole of commitment. And he said, God, I know I haven't always done what is right, but I'm making some commitments to you right here. And predicated on those commitments, God came to the rescue of Abijah and God saved Abijah and God rescued him and God turned the battle not because of his past but because of a present commitment that he made God said I'll fight on the side of commitment every day I'll fight on the side of commitment every day can I preach to somebody on this Sunday morning that maybe the past has not been as perfect as it needs to be but if you'll just dig a hole of commitment right now and say God I'm going to commit I'm going to commit right here 
I'm going to dig this thing out and I'm going to put some commitment down. I'm going to commit God to what I have said. I'm going to commit to divine order. I'm going to commit to your leadership. God said that's all I need is your commitment and I'll come to your aid and I'll fight on your side and I'll come and I'll battle for you and you'll have the victory. Would you do it with me now one more time? I want somebody just to put your hand in the air. You're ready for a victory to happen across this building. You're ready for a victory now to happen across this building. Is there anybody hungry for a spiritual victory in this building right now? Is there anybody hungry for a spiritual victory in the house? Is anybody hungry right now? I'm opening these altars on this Sunday morning. I'm opening them up for folks that just want to make some commitments to God. You just want to make some commitments to God and say, Okay, God, I'm in the battle of life. I'm I'm struggling. But God, I'm going to renew some commitments now. I'm I'm going to dig that hole. And I'm I'm going to plant myself deep. I'm going to make some commitments. God, I'm going to repent. God, I'm going to get things right in my life. I'm going to get some things right in my heart. God, I'm going to make some commitments. That's it. All across this building now. All across this sanctuary. In the name of the Lord. God's calling. God's calling. He's summonsing us now to say, Lord, if we'll act. If we'll act on His commitments. I said, if we'll act on His commitments, then God will give us the victory. We shall overcome. We shall prevail. It shall happen in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Let us pour our heart out to God all across this building right now. Somebody just begin to talk to Him and say, God, it's all sides of me. I'm being pushed. I'm being pressed. God, I'm being torn. I've got the battle that is moving and it's raging. I need, I need you to help me in this battle, Lord. I need you to help me in this battle. I need you to help me to overcome in the name of the Lord Jesus. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. Call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.